All right. Go ahead and give me a little level again. Okay, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Cool. Okay, here we go. Live from a NASCAR bunker in Kyle's parents' basement, it's turned the radio off with Mike Parsons and Kyle Bauer. Oh, wait, I have to load it up here so that I can bring the... Uh, so I can bring the volume down manually. All right, here we go. Live from a NASCAR bunker in Kyle's parents' basement, it's turned the radio off with Mike Parsons and Kyle Bauer. Facebook.com slash TTRO show. Follow along on Twitter.com slash TTRO show or just listen right now. It's Turn the Radio Off. Kyle, thank God you're alive. You're not kidding. Jeez, oh, Pete. So uh, you caught the COVID, huh? I did. Uh, so it was. Uh... Not long after I had been exposed to somebody on my hockey team, I believe I caught it. Uh, also from playing hockey, uh, again, I'm not saying that I was right or intelligent for continuing Right, I was going to gonna say, so I, I, I was thinking to myself uh, a, a few shows ago, um, you talked about how someone, a couple guys on your hockey team uh, caught COVID-19 and uh, you, you continued to go play hockey with uh, with the COVID Crusaders. Well, let me let me tell you something. Um, I I did a very good job of not succumbing to the uh, peer pressure of drugs and alcohol throughout high school. Right. You waited uh, until there was no dare program to keep me from playing hockey in a pandemic. Right. Uh, it's called I succumbed- common sense. Right. I succumb to We're all wearing pre- masks. I succumb to the peer pressure of playing hockey. Don't be a pussy power. COVID's and, fake. Well the well that was exactly it. Um I won't say that was exactly it. I should take that back. Uh what I would say was I I have a, a, a sense of uh, duty and, and camaraderie to my teammates. It's it's just who I am as a as a teammate and as a person, and that sometimes transcends my sensibilities. Uh, I knew it was not smart to be playing hockey during a pandemic. It was probably the most dangerous thing I could do. That's why I never tried to get too preachy outside of this podcast that you know only paul listens to hey paul uh so that's why like on facebook and and twitter and instagram what have you uh i wasn't one of those people uh posting those memes saying that uh, you should uh, go to the hague if you decided to meet your family for thanksgiving uh because i myself was doing something pretty reckless uh, so it was, I was really hard pressed to judge people, uh, but I was, and I, I was doing something reckless and I paid for it. I didn't want to let down my teammates. I didn't want to hear it from them. 
and I decided to keep playing, and I'm pretty sure, like 95% sure. Yeah, I'd put money on it. I would. I Yes, because I'm thinking of everything else, because I really wasn't leaving the house. Yeah. I wasn't going to bars. I wasn't even like out going shopping or anything like that. Of course, I was always wearing a mask. I was even wearing a mask while playing hockey, which was terrible. Well, and I, I'm still sure. Well, it doesn't work fine. unless other people are wearing masks. That's the thing. That's the thing we can't get through people's heads. You're not wearing the mask to protect yourself. You're, you're doing it to protect others. But, Kyle, you've you've gone on record um, on this podcast years ago saying you would kill me to protect your cat. And now that I have a, a dog, uh, I, I, I understand that sentiment. Would you go on this podcast now and say that you were willing to die to play beer league hockey? <laughs> uh well i i i guess that question has already been answered yeah. well <laughs> and, and and here's the thing too it, it, it kind of was sort of a bombshell on on social media when you announced that you had covid um it was after the fact you were talking about your solo thanksgiving and i gotta say as a as a friend um I'm I'm actually kind of glad I didn't know until you were over COVID that you had COVID because the scary thing is you live alone. So yeah. if, if if you took a turn for the worse or you needed an ambulance, um, you you know there there'd be no one there to kind of to to kind of do that for you if you you had a uh, a fast decline. I yeah, and I decided that. Because the the thing with with COVID is it's it's so mysterious in that it affects so many people in so many different ways. My symptoms uh, was severe, just excruciating headache. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I've been and, getting and migraines. It other people I, too. Like I, I I knew a guy who said that he didn't get the respiratory stuff, but uh, he had some he's had some bad gastrointestinal. Um, symptoms and pretty much the doc, you know, his doctor said, look, that's your body. You know, your body killed the virus. Now it's shedding the virus. Everybody's body sheds the virus in a different way. Yeah. I, I got headaches and, and I mean, I've been getting migraines since I was five years old and this was, I mean, I'm thinking back to like some of the worst migraines I've ever had. It was worse than that. I mean, these were so painful. I I just, I was writhing around in bed and there was nothing I could do. No medication, nothing. It was too painful for me to fall asleep. And I mean, it was that way for probably four days straight when I was at the worst of it. Um, and then also no appetite. I, I didn't eat for about five days. Uh, and did you lose weight? A lot of people lose weight when they, uh, emerge from COVID. Well, here's the thing. My metabolism is is going in in some strange kind of I wouldn't say my metabolism has stopped. I would say it's actively working against me so I gained weight. You were like a your, your body was reacting like a bear going into hibernation for the winter. It knew it yeah. wasn't going to get any food, so it just it it just kind of uh it, it just kind of stopped to keep you alive. That might have saved your life. I I can think of, I somehow gained 10 more pounds uh, (laughs) when I didn't eat for five days. Like like a camera, I heard Rona adds 10 pounds. Actually, I hear the opposite. Yeah, but, but, uh, and then, and and this is, now this is the side effect that I'm still 
dealing with or symptom, whatever you want to call it, that I'm still dealing with to this day. Uh, and, and I mean, I the don't know what I'm The crippling loneliness of being a pariah. What? I, I said the symptoms you're dealing with, is it the um, crippling loneliness of being a pariah? Because let's be honest, once, once, once it's known you have COVID, people are going to want to avoid you for a while. I mean, you texted me about two weeks after you had symptoms and said, hey, you know, my, my symptoms have gone away. Um, why don't we engage in one of our beloved holiday traditions this weekend? And I said, uh, let's wait another weekend, Kyle. Yeah, I was, yeah, and I was cleared by my doctor and the CDC says 10 to 14 days from the start of symptoms, you're no longer contagious. You now have antibodies. You're actually is more immune than you ever will be right. from getting it. Uh, that doesn't mean that I won't take precautions because I, I still will continue to wear a mask and right. you know, socially distance, not but, have gatherings and stuff. But, but jo- you know, jokes aside, but, I mean, you, you had to be by yourself for at least two weeks. And, and that was yeah. through uh, Thanksgiving, which, uh, it, you know, I, I'm not sure if you would have done Thanksgiving by yourself as a precaution anyway, if you didn't have it. But, I was planning on having it. I was planning because I found out roughly a week before Thanksgiving Yeah, uh, was when I tested positive. So uh, the plan at that point was going to be um, – it was going to be a very small gathering over my uh, aunt and uncle's house where it was going to be like me and my parents, uh, my aunt and uncle, and then a couple of my cousins. I think there was going to be like seven of us total uh, in their palatial mansion in northern Macomb County. Right. A lot so of the thought was, was that that was going to be relatively safe. We we're going to split the family right. off in, in like three different groups. Well, that's Trump and Kid Rock country. So th- it doesn't exist up there. You probably, <laughs> you probably should have stayed there all month because you wouldn't have gotten it up there. <laughs> right. Right. Well, but I, I, I spent, I spent more than enough time up there already. And trust me, all those people must be immune because you never see any of them wearing a mask. But, but, uh, but I, I was going to say, though, the one symptom, though, that has persisted and, and I don't know when this is 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 going to finally I'm going to finally be rid of it is is the fatigue. Yeah. And that's that's like I, when I hear about football players um, and other athletes who have gotten this, and, and I know these are world-class athletes, uh, mutants, some of these guys, uh, they're freaks, uh, in, in, in the best way. I mean that, right. Um, I, I don't understand how you could get this in your system unless you're 100% asymptomatic. I don't understand if you even get a mild case of this, which is what I had. I don't understand how you get a mild case of this and then go out and play football at a high level. My guess is steroids. Four days. Seriously, they have to be getting that Regeneron crap that had Trump dancing to YMCA and kissing guys because (laughs) I, I can't understand how, because again, I had a mild case. It's been probably a, a little over a month since I, caught it uh and like yesterday i i couldn't i couldn't i was having a hard time getting up and walking and getting up the stairs and and i still have days 
where the fatigue is overwhelming. And I don't know when that's going to go. And, and, you know, again, we, we really only have one listener and whatever. I'll just go ahead and squeal anyway. Uh, I know some hockey players who are setting up illegal skates right now. Uh, and um, they keep inviting me to come out. You know, because again, this was never really a concern of theirs anyway. Right. And well, you know, I think, I think people think if you don't die from it, then it's not that bad of a case, right? Even though you were writhing around in pain um, for four days with no relief, and you still, um, you know, you still can't, uh, you know, get out of bed some days. Oh if- yeah, I still feel like hell. But uh, you know, and they're they're expecting me to 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 come back and. Like maybe if these were actual games, I would consider it, but I don't think I'm doing anything physically demanding unless I absolutely have to until at least January, because it's just hard enough for me to get through the motions of the day right now. And again, it's been probably over a month since I got this. This is a very serious thing. And when I went back to work, which again, all of those guys are COVID deniers. Mm-hmm. So I go back to work. I hear all the smart ass remarks. Oh, how was your vacation, Bauer? Who skimmed a couple of days off? Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I kept hearing was, oh, so, you know, it's just like the flu, right? Right. No, it's, it's a cold. Like it's a cold. Flu. Again, everybody's, it, it seems like everybody's symptoms are different. My cousin's wife got it and she had hives. Right. Everybody's symptoms are different. This is the most bizarre virus. You know what? I, I, I have a feeling that eventually we're going to find out that, that COVID is more of an autoimmune um, attack than anything else. Because I think I, I think the reason everyone's body reacts differently is because it uh, you know their immune system is trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. Well, it is weird because it, for me, it exploited something that was always a weakness of mine, and that was my 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 sinuses and my migraines. Right. So you know, I have I have eczema and I have asthma. So you know what? If if I get it, I might not. Well, I I would have a flare up of asthma. I might have a flare up of eczema because, like you said, it sounds like it finds the weakness in your immune system and attacks it. Yeah, which is which is frightening. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll find out more about this in time. Uh, but it's weird because it does affect everyone differently. And in the way that it affected me, it certainly wasn't flu like symptoms. Uh, and it, it certainly was terrible. And it was something that, um, you know, was not worth the trouble. It isn't worth the fatigue that I'm still going through today. Uh, and you know, there's some brain fog too. I hear a lot about the COVID brain fog. That's hard for me though, because I've always had brain fog. Same, yeah. (laughs) So So, now I'm trying to decipher like, okay, is this COVID brain fog? Or or just power brain fog? (laughs) Right. So So now I gotta decipher that. You know, as someone who has had, who's had the disease and who's gotten over and, 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 it sounds like you've experienced, uh, you know, although it might have been mild overall, a, 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 a pretty terrible time with it. I, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts on this because this is one of the most conflicting things about this whole COVID-19 breakout to me. And that's the closing of the restaurants for dine-in 
um, once cases get high. Um, because, because look, I, I, I mean, usually, usually to me with this whole COVID thing, it was like, okay, this side, this side's right. This side's acting a fool. And I guess what this is, it's, it's a, I don't want to say a battle, but it's a conflict between healthcare workers and healthcare systems getting overwhelmed and restaurants, especially, you know, locally owned restaurants, which are local, uh, locally owned businesses, losing their ass and, and, and possibly, um, you know, losing their business and their life's work. And I don't think that there's anyone completely wrong in this, at least with the restaurant workers, because although I think that, yes, once hospitals get to a certain capacity, we have to do it because um, because the the scary thing about this is that once the hospitals are overrun, people who would have otherwise lived um, lived through a COVID nineteen diagnosis will die just because they can't get the care. Um, but that that doesn't make it any more tragic that that people who really through no fault of their own have put have poured their lives into their businesses are losing their businesses. And although uh, although I, I side with the healthcare, um, flattening the curve, um, not overwhelming the healthcare system, I, I, I ultimately come down on that side. I can't get mad at these restaurant owners for feeling like they're getting shafted. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, if, if I had a time machine or a crystal ball and somehow I was, I was governor of the, of the state of Michigan, I think what the way I would handle shutdowns is I would come out and say, look, if our ICUs and our hospitals reach 80% capacity, I'm going to have to shut things down because we cannot overrun our healthcare system. So if you want to keep things open, and I would put it, I would put it on the citizens, you know, if you want to keep things open, you have to help. You have to help keep the hospitalization rates. Um, in the state, in your region, however they want to do it, below 80%. Because if we're above 80%, if we're at capacity and you get a, a case of COVID that you would have otherwise lived with, I mean, you know, it, back in April, um, before the curve was flattened, but back in March, there were people dying in triage in the halls of the ICUs because they they just uh, the, these workers couldn't keep up with it. So you know, I, I would I would have it somewhere very public what the what the hospitalization rate is at all the hospitals. Say check that. You know, here is what we we've been told will 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 help keep rates down. Please abide by these because if it goes above this level, we're gonna have to shut we're gonna have to shut businesses down, and that's not fair to these businesses. Um, it's not fair to these businesses who are going to be going out of business, like I said, through no fault of their own. And then maybe, you know, the business owners would be would be incentivized to 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 enforce the safety regulations and all that. And and, and it would give the average citizen a sense of empowerment saying we, we can do something about this until a therapeutic or a vaccine comes out. Well, Mike, I'm on board with you 100 uh, percent. And. I think there's a lot of nuance to this and uh, it's really, I, I think something that's incredible is, is that over time as we've gotten really polarized in our politics 
it's how the way that nuance has disappeared from any discussion. Uh, people have to get so fervently tracked on one side or the other that they, they don't want to hear it because there is an argument to be made on both sides in this case. There really is. And I think you got a lot of people who want to plug their ears and say, you know, oh, you're putting small businesses or you put small businesses out. And you're you're putting me out. and You're costing me my job, blah, 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 which is valid, blah. which is valid. And then you're you're hearing other people say, well, three thousand people are dying. La, la, la. You're killing people by opening businesses. La, la, la. Also so, valid. Right. Now, here's where the nuance comes in. Okay. The f- there is no government relief. The middle ground here yep. is that you can have these businesses be closed or, you know, be restricted to carry out or patios with uh, <laughs> tents and propane meters at and- $600 a pop. And in yurts that are that are basically indoor seating outdoors. Yeah, you know those uh, those clear igloos don't look to me. Those look less sanitary than being inside a big open restaurant. But that's just me. Yeah, no, same here. I call those COVID bubbles. Yeah, I'm no Fauci, right. but that 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 looks odd to me. But um, in any case, yeah. So we could have a balance where restaurant owners, small business owners could do what's right, could do what's safe for their employees, for themselves, for their loyal customers, and close and slow down the spread of this virus and get bailout money, protection money, stimulus, whatever you want to call it, and we can all be happy. Now, there are going to be some assholes who are still going to politicize that, who are still going to say, well, I'm no socialist. I don't need a handout from the government. I want to work. And those are the type of assholes who usually overwork their employees, cut their employees from taking a break. Tip usually and dimes. have a high turnover at their jobs. You know, usually have a high turnover anyway. They're assholes anyway. Right. And in my opinion, those people are invalidated anyway. I'm talking about good, sensible, hardworking business owners who don't deserve to get fucked by this. Right. And, and, and honestly, I mean, Kyle, even though we understand why it has to happen, it's heartbreaking. You know, um, since since this went into effect, I've been trying to um, I, I've really been trying to order food from from my favorite local restaurants, you know, just 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 doing my part. And I walked into to one and um, I was like, yeah, how, how you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're so bored. They're like every day we think we're going to be busy and we're not. And and like. They, they thanked me for just getting, you know, two conies and some fries as if I had like, you know, as if I had um, like paid off their mortgage. And I'm just like, that's heartbreaking because these people, they didn't say anything. You know, they didn't say anything about uh, about cursing out the governor or, or anything. But, you know, these uh, this is a place that has been down here since I've I moved down here uh, five to ten years ago. And you could just hear they're, they're, they're tired. They're, they're scared, but, but, but it has to happen. And and like you said, I, I mean, if, if after this is all over and we kind of look back and think what we can do better next time, God forbid, there's a next time, 
I, I think you're right. What what you what what you do is you come up with some kind of slush fund to help small business owners who have to shut down during a pandemic. And, and you know, you you could even maybe, uh, you know, uh, the 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 people, um, the landlords who these restaurants uh, rent from or 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 their vendors. Maybe what you do is you go to them and say, look, here's a whole here's a whole bunch of money. Why don't you forget, you know, why don't you forgive any bills that are due from these small restaurants during this time? Give them a little bit relief and then once we get back to normal, you don't have to pay it back. Um we we can we, we can do our best to pick up where we left off. Yeah. And and yeah, maybe tax breaks for them. Um I I think that's on the right track. I think any type of relief. And I I hear you know, I hear these these wieners like uh, Mike Shirky and, and, and Lee Chatfield who uh, Whitmer puts continuously says up on stage in her press conferences, we need some type of stimulus. Right. We need some type of help. Sometimes she says from the federal government. Sometimes she says from the state government. And people continue to go after Whitmer and say, well, Whitmer's putting people out of work. Whitmer's putting people on the street. We're putting ourselves out of work. Uh, and and But she's saying uh, they took away her executive order power. Mm-hmm. So she can't, by executive order, call any sort of stimulus. People got to understand her shutting down. This isn't her. This is the health department. Okay. Mm-hmm. She can authorize it. But that's just her co-signing it. That's all that is. So this is the health department. The health department can't authorize stimulus money for these small businesses. Well, yeah, and that's true. Yeah, I I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is that stimulus probably has to come from the federal government because the state governments are so stretched right now. I don't know if state governments can afford stimuluses or stimuli, you know, whatever the plural of stimulus is. In whatever the case... It irritates me because anything she could have authorized in the way of aid. She can't. They took that power away from her. And then she says, okay, guys, these businesses need help. You talk about me putting small businesses out of work. Step up for them and authorize some kind of assistance for them. And then Chatfield and Shirky just send out a bunch of tweets saying, well, they don't want a handout. They just want to work. No, I think they want a handout because even if they go back to work or even if they were to continue working, they're already so deep in the hole. There's a real problem here. Well, well, look, Kyle, I mean, me personally, yes, me personally, I I would like to have a job um, where I make my own money instead of a handout. However, if something happens to me where I'm not able to work, I'll take the handout until I'm able to work again. So yes, exactly. maybe overall they want want to work and don't want a handout, but for the time being, when they can't work, give them a handout. They'll and, take and it. Something you have to consider, and and aside from, I mean, obviously too, I, I, on a federal level, the fact that we're staring a government shutdown in the face, the fact that they can get a defense budget passed right. again, and. I honestly can't remember what the defense budget was. I want to say it was some like seven hundred and forty something billion 
I want to say. I'll take I, your word I, for it. Yeah. So they can get that passed, but they still can't get a fucking stimulus package passed. And then the the Republicans want to keep lowballing it. And then Pelosi, I understand Pelosi's at the point where she wants to now save face, but she thinks she's going to save face by agreeing to the Republicans lowball offer. Uh, that's the type of stuff where you can see how out of touch everyone in Washington, D.C. truly is. And I know that's a cliche line, but what else can you say about what's going on right now where you can tell they're clearly unaffected by what's going on with people? And and, and I will, will tell you another group that is unaffected by what's going on and, and, and almost showing their disdain for what's going on is, is, is that I've seen this sentiment kind of dwindle longer we get into this without a stimulus package, but, but something that I was seeing a lot more in November um, was, was people saying, well, I don't think another stimulus package is unnecessary. Uh, let's just get on with things. The vaccine is coming. We're, you know, we're going to have Biden in office. Uh, is is that there is a type of Democrat out there, maybe more centrist or more towards the middle. I don't. I don't exactly know what their political allegiance is, but certainly not very aggressive. Certainly higher class. Certainly in effect higher class, uh, and I mean that in an income sense. Who, who's more unaffected, um, who seems to want to put the middle finger up to the service industry and say, hey, I've been working from home for the past eight months. I'm still making my 95 grand a year right. working for some ad agency where I have one meeting over Zoom a week and right. <laughs> you know, still banking my eight you know, weeks vacation. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to order from DoorDash and somebody, some third party vendor is going to pick it up. You're going to make it for me. And if you get laid off, it's no skin off my back because I'll just order from somebody else who hasn't been laid off yet. Right. And, and there was definitely, a, a, and I could see that sentiment going around in in some circles of people just not caring anymore. Well, because there was a, I, I think there's some burnout and some of that burnout is, is getting, well, turning that, into frustration and that frustration is getting put off on the employees of uh, or service workers rather, and, and of people saying, "Hey, stop your whining, okay? You should be staying home anyway." I've I've had to stay home for eight months. Why can't you stay home? Right. Well, well they that, and that's stay ex- home because they're not getting paid. Well, and that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, if 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 you're not seeing it in front of your face, if you're not getting it, or you're lucky enough to not have any friends or family get it, or you've had friends and family get it, and they they don't die from it. Then yeah, you you don't see past your own nose, and so you think, okay, well, I haven't, I don't have any firsthand anecdotal experience with this, so it must be overblown. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't even mean that in in the sense that these people aren't taking COVID seriously. I mean that in the sense that they're not taking service workers seriously. Right. That they're not taking that, you know, maybe they they're in their mid thirties or forties or you know older. They should have had and- a real job by now. Yeah, and, and they, they don't have any service industry friends, and, and they haven't worked a bar job or a restaurant job since they were in college, and right. they forgot what it's like. 
and they forgot how little money you make when you're not getting tips, which I think is criminal. And they aren't thinking that these people that, yeah, you, you can get on your fucking horse and, and, and say, and, and act all indignant and say, Oh, it's a great thing that these restaurants are closing. That's saving lives. These people will get over it. They'll find work again. No, they're trying to live off fucking oh, $150 a week on unemployment. I see. What what you're saying is there's there's people who are taking this seriously, but they're not thinking of the rank-and-file worker out there who are being affected by it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 that's and, and like I said, and, and the further we get along without a stimulus package, I think more people are coming to the realization of why this is bad for all of us. Uh, but I, I think th- that there was definitely a sentiment that I was seeing a lot in October and November that um, people just didn't care. People that there was a kind of a COVID burnout and a COVID malaise, and that effect was getting passed on to the backs of uh, the service industry workers uh, who have certainly been left behind. Well, and, and I also think, thing. Kyle, that um... – there's a lot of people out there who still think that they're getting the extra, was it $400 a week of unemployment? Because you've heard all summer that these restaurant workers, they can't they can't hire anybody because they're at home making too much money on unemployment, which... which a fucking uh, mess. Well, and I'm sure, obviously, like like everything else, there are some examples you could point to, but, but overall, I think that that was overblown. Yeah, probably one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe like one out of every like 25 people, whatever. Let them stay home. Right. Right. Exactly. Who gives a fuck? Why, why does it matter to you? Stop caring so much about if other people want to be lazy and live off the government's dime. Why does that matter to you? Right. Exactly. You go to work. Right. You go to work and you mind your own fucking business and stop caring about what these other people do. Well, and like I said, I'm sure that, you know, and and I understand, you know, going back to everything's interconnected and no one's really right. No one's really wrong. I I mean, these restaurant owners, they were having a hard time reopening. And normally it would be easy for me to say, okay, well, pay them enough to make it worth them coming into work. But. But, you know, that that wasn't possible throughout this whole shutdown. And, yeah, maybe it did incentivize people to stay home but they weren't quote-unquote being rewarded it was a band-aid on the economy to try to keep it from collapsing uh while we waited this out well again people are so concerned about other people being taken care of right and i don't understand why that's a concern i would rather somebody be taken care of than suffer Right, because the problem is is that there's a lot of people in this country. Because that's a popsicle they have that you don't think you have, Kyle. Oh, look, that person, that person can can stay home and and make a living, and I have to go out to work. Guess what? That person, that person's not living. I mean, they may be able to buy food and pay some of their bills, but they're not living. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's too many people that would rather someone else suffer than be taken care of. And, and, and that's a real problem with this country. And that's another thing you've seen exposed in this pandemic. So you mentioned Mike Shirky and, and Lee Chatfield, who are the uh, Republican leadership in the state legislature um, and, and, and how they're um, tying up the governor from being able to make decisions. And, and I agree. I think that they have, um, you know, j- just like everyone else has made this COVID thing very positive, uh, political i'm sorry but 
there is one positive I, I do want to say about them. And, and I think that there are a lot of Republicans right now who are kind of returning to sanity with this, this whole election dispute mess. It, 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 it's starting to seem more and more. And, you know, a month or two ago, this was in question. If, <laughs> if uh, you know, uh, a Joe Biden election would actually lead to an inauguration because the Trump administration was, um, well, let's be honest, months before the election, they were they were preemptively spreading their, uh, this has been, uh, th- this election's going to be rigged propaganda. Uh, they've been saying that since at least mid, mid-summer, and they were talking about how the um, post office couldn't handle all of, the mail-in ballots, and then they made changes in the post office that made it harder for them to um, uh, handle all these mail-in ballots by putting in some some Trump stooge as postmaster general and getting rid of sorting machines and everything. And I, there was a lot of anxiety um, when Mike Shirky and Lee Chatfield met with the president at the White House. A lot of people thinking that, okay, these guys are going to try to um, you know, throw the election for Donald Trump, and they went there and they told him, you know, hey, um, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, I, I, and I think there's a lot of people who have been very partisan. They're kind of seeing the line in the sand where, yeah, they're they're Trump guys, they're Trump guys, but that you know, they're they're also loyal to the way America works. Um, the three support Supreme Court justices we were all uh, afraid of being on the bench um, for a presidential challenge. Um, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, and uh, the icky Brett Kavanaugh. Um, you know, none of them um, none of them voted in favor of any of the president's um, um, challenges, whether it's the certification block in Pennsylvania or it's Texas suing other swing states. They threw that one out because they said, well, other states can't take, can't disenfranchise your right to vote. So, um, you know, it, it's looking more and more now, now that all these doors are closing, we are returning to sanity a little bit. But there's still some people out there who I, I can't come up with, with any other term, Kyle, other than selling their soul. They're selling their soul to try to keep uh, President uh, Donald Trump in office. Um, Here in Michigan, um, four Republican um, um, congressmen joined that lawsuit from the Texas Attorney General, who the worst worst, um, soul merchants, I would say, are the Texas uh, Attorney General, which I don't even want to bother to learn his name, Mayor... Rudy Giuliani, which think back, Kyle, 2001, he was America's mayor. He kicked ass when it came to responding to to 9-11. He looked like he was a viable presidential candidate, and he has just made an absolute ass clown of himself. Recently, for what? This guy is not going to be in office. What is your incentive? I can understand these people. I, I mean, I don't agree with it, but I can understand these people kissing the ring because you had Trump in office. But it's gonna—it's looking more and more like he's not going to be in office. So, you know, what's the incentive here? Does he have some dirty pictures of you? Um, and the four Republican congressmen from Michigan who joined this lawsuit, Kyle, remember their names. Jack Bergman. 
John Molinar, Tim Wahlberg, and Bill Huizenga. If you live in their districts, just remember that these guys joined this lawsuit to try to disenfranchise your right to vote, too, because, you know, if you want to know what the MAGA hats are, are, are going to do, Kyle, just look at what they accuse other people of doing. They've been, they've been screaming disenfranchisement this whole time when they've taken legal action to disenfranchise votes. And a lot of people are like, oh, these, these Congress people should be in jail. I'm not willing to go that far because they tried to go through legal channels, and since they tried to go through legal channels, it got shut, it got shot down pretty quickly. But I do want people to know their names if they live in their district because these people belong nowhere near elected office. Either A, they don't care about representing their constituents, or B, they're too gullible to govern. Well, Mike, I think you asked the question, what's in it for them? Why would they do this? And the only thing I can think is is Trump created a cult and elected officials were not immune from that. And what exactly causes these people to get wrapped up in a cult like this? What causes anyone to get wrapped up in any cult? I don't know. But that's the only thing I can think of. That's the only thing I can say is that uh, Trump created some kind of uh, metaphorical, for sure, aphrodisiac um, with uh, just how he flashy he is mm -hmm. with uh, his style of speech, which is bizarre and garbled and uh, <laughs> distressed. And uh, but for whatever reason, uh, it connected with people. Uh, obviously, his imagery, you know, some of it fascist, a lot of it just garish. Um, and also just a, the old his, scare and save. What I like to call he, he, he presents a problem and then he presents himself as a solution to that problem. And then I was going to say the scare and save too, uh, Mike, which is something which is a brilliant term you've come up with to describe his strategy. And I think really just encapsulates it perfect, which is how I think he's gotten so many people on board with his platform. And, and, and that's been a lot of Republicans. Uh, it's, been on, it's been in the Republican playbook for a long time. I mean, really like going back to Nixon. Um, the whole idea of, and a lot of it tied into racism and uh, fear of urbanism, and yeah, Antifa uh, wants to come uh, abolish the suburbs. Exactly, and 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 a lot of that has been in their playbook. Ronald Reagan definitely used it. George W. Bush used it uh, with terrorism uh, and Muslims for sure. Uh, it's been in the playbook, but nobody's ever used it like Trump has. And the way that he has been able to j just his his rhetorical style, the way that he's been able to stir people up. And then also, I think just the imagery of uh, just again, Trump is bloated, discolored. His hair is of a unnatural shape because of his botched hair plugs. Yet to a lot of people, he looks like a literal golden God. 
Uh, and, I mean, you and see the I memes. There, there's memes all over the place with Trump's face on Rambo's muscular, oiled-up body, on Sylvester Stallone's Rocky Balboa oiled-up body. It, it, it's, it's almost like a fetish. There is a deep vein that he tapped into. So even these elected officials, who you would believe would be above that, you got to remember, in state politics, a lot of these state congressional pe- people, they're everyday Joes. And there's a reason why they don't ascend from state politics mm-hmm. is because they don't, they can't be polished up enough to make it to Washington, D.C. So a lot of times they'll stay on the state level. And I think, and, and you've seen people also on the federal level, you know, Ted Cruz is another example of it, too. See, Ted where, Cruz strikes me as a guy who knows better, but he'll bullshit you anyway. Where, well, Ted Cruz strikes me as a guy who will sell anyone out for to get close to power. Yeah. And that's what he did. He basically sold out his wife. And his dad, <laughs> who Trump said was the Zodiac killer. Yeah, well, he said his his dad assassinated Kennedy. Oh, that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 it, it, yeah, it, yeah. People joke about Ted Cruz being the Zodiac killer, but oh, they said okay. that his, yeah. But Trump said that his dad assassinated Kennedy. Yeah, didn't made, Trump say oh, Cruz's wife was ugly or something? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, think about th- think about it. Take take away, you know, sort of how Donald Trump has become a religious figure. Okay, if you're it, it, essentially your coworkers, right? I mean, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is your coworker, checks and balances and all that. If somebody came up to you, or or someone was was going around saying your wife is ugly and your dad murdered somebody, just as a human being, what's your reaction to that guy? Fuck that guy. Trump works and 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 he's been able to work in arenas uh, where. It, Trump is is smart in the sense that he's been able to maneuver in arenas where he knows he'll be protected, where he couldn't get away with doing the things that he does anywhere else. It's what made him who he is. It's what's allowed him to be successful, and it's what has allowed him to come back time and time again. You know what? And you're right, because you know what ultimately has become Trump's undoing is how he came to power in the first place and how, honestly, I thought he was going to stay in power. Um, because, yeah, there are rules in this country and, and there's decorum and, and there's etiquette, but that stuff doesn't matter if no one's going to stop you. Trump's biggest biggest strength was not giving a fuck and doing it anyway. And, you know, Trump came up as a boardroom bully, you know, uh, as a boardroom bully, he would put people in positions and expect undying loyalty back. You know, he, you know, he, he promoted someone to, to vice president of, of his company. And, and in the corporate world, he probably expected loyalty back. And, and he probably felt that way about the Supreme Court because a lot has been said about how he's been talking shit about the Supreme Court. He put three of those justices in there. Um, and those justices actually did their job and and ruled on the side of the law instead of the side uh, of the president. And he's flabbergasted. He can't figure out what happened because he put he put he put Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch there. He put Bill Barr 
in the position of attorney general. Bill Barr comes out and says that he's, he sees no evidence of, of widespread election fraud. Now Trump wants to fire him because, because he came up in a world where he was the ultimate boss and he thought that that's how he was going to strong arm another term. And for a second, it looked like it was going to work. But it, like I said, it looks like sanity is returning. And, you know, MAGA, Ma- the MAGA hats love to talk about the genius of our forefathers. It looks like the genius of our forefathers and the, the system they put in place um, is working right now. And uh, it's interesting because uh, we talked about this, I don't know, roughly two months ago and i was concerned me too about, because i was with the appointment of amy coney barrett mm. and and you were talking me off the ledge yes so yeah and, and the thing is i i don't know what they're gonna do um with gay marriage or what they're gonna do with roe versus wade but i did feel like they were not gonna throw the election for donald trump and 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 this is a foreign concept to Trump, but it shouldn't be because his career as president, I can't say a political career because he's had none. He's only been president. Right. His career as president has been one hyperloop of his 40 years, 40, 50 years as a businessman that preceded it. When you think about it, he aggressively rose to the top with the help of the power and influence he already had from his father. He constantly broke rules, constantly bullied people, belittled people, uh, took every shortcut imaginable, did very little actual work, but was able to bloviate and you know rally people and you know make a bunch of grandiose speeches and make it look like he was doing all the work and then got exposed pretty quick and pretty swiftly and pretty thoroughly and then when they opened up the books on him they were able to take him down pretty easily and he was hard pressed to find an actual challenge every time he finds a way to recover and finds a way to make a comeback and, and honestly, and it, and it strengthens his connection with his base because he strengthens he strengthens the connection with his base, but also he's charismatic enough. He's a religious figure, Kyle. Now, now, now there's 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 no right or wrong. There's there's with Trump good against Trump evil. And if you notice, you know everyone everyone who the MAGA hats loved, if they dare speak out against Donald Trump or or dare to be objective, now all of a sudden they're on the take. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I look at it. I look at it this way, too. As far as you know, Shirky, Chatfield, Bill Barr, uh, the Supreme Court, uh, any of these other people that I've criticized in the past or uh, have uh, been in fear that maybe they would succumb to the pressure from Trump. I'll put it to you this way. If you come into my house and leave without shitting on my floor, I'm not going to thank you for that. Right. It, it, right. Okay. You're supposed to do your job. Exactly. It's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm I'm not I'm not impressed by this. I'm not going to, you know, I'm more relieved like, for this. It's more like I, a relief I, thank you for me. I I'm they're just doing their job. They're doing the baseline of their job 
as a safeguarded democracy. And the point that we could have even suspected that they might not do their job or that we've gotten to this point is an indictment on them. Right. Well, and Kyle, look, I'm 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 going to give the MAGA hats a Christmas present here. I'm going to give them a little morsel. I'm going to concede something, okay? I don't know exactly how much Donald Trump had to do with Operation Warp Speed and getting a vaccine out to market quickly. I mean, it's been eight months. That's unheard of. A lot of these things seem like they take 10 years to, you know, come to market. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks still. But, you know what, Let, let's say... Let's give Donald Trump the win for how fast the vaccine is coming out. Yeah. Um, the way he handled everything up until now is what lost him the election. Um, I I think that if it wasn't for coronavirus and just you know the 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 devastation on on the the, the mental and the physical health, the economic health of this country, I think that he would have won re-election and. Kyle, you know, in my workplace, I work on the tech. I work mostly on the technical behind-the-scenes side of broadcasting. And you know, in my line of work, there's two two types of people. When there's a problem, one type, uh, the one type of person, when there's a problem, is the person who just tries to figure out the problem and solve it. The second type of person is is the type of person who spends all the energy they should be using to fix the problem convincing you that it's not their fault. And, 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 and then the problem doesn't get fixed. Donald Trump spent so much time blaming China, which China might have been to blame. Okay, so China's to blame. What are you going to do about it? Um, you know, um, arguing with Fauci, because Fauci, you know, dared contradict what he would say a, at a press conference. If Donald Trump maybe didn't worry about who people were blaming and maybe just um and maybe just um you know did his best to to mitigate the damage i think he would have won re-election i think he would have won too i think if he just would have handled coronavirus i think there are multiple scenarios where trump could have won re-election easily and it's because he got 70 million votes he, he got the most votes out of what any republican uh incumbent ever right so you you have to figure mail-in voting and an increase of voting accessibility won biden the election okay so with that in mind if it were a normal election if coronavirus hadn't happened the economy would probably still be buzzing along would be doomed for a recession mm -hmm. which would probably wouldn't happen for you know, another year or two, but it would be buzzing along. And I think Trump would win re-election easily, especially if they were going to put Biden up against him. Right. Uh, I I think he would have won re-election easily, easily. And then if he had handled this well, which all he would have had to have done, because a lot of times, what do you hear? You, you hear that Boris Johnson is, is Trump's equivalent. And I know that the UK hasn't necessarily handled um the pandemic that well but they've certainly handled it a lot better than we have and they have been quicker to go into lockdowns 
They've been quicker to, you know, take aggressive action to make sure that their hospitals don't get overwhelmed. First to uh, accept the vaccine and administer it. Yep. And uh, Boris Johnson, I, while he did at the very beginning of the pandemic, he quickly backed off and accepted the science right. and continued to promote the science, promote wearing masks. I think him getting it early on was one of the reasons why, but Trump got it. And then Trump just talked about how easy it is to recover from it and right. about how he got it. Now he never, you know, he's never felt better. Yeah. Well, Kyle, if you get COVID, just get airlifted to Walter Reed Medical Center and get the best, uh, get the best um, soon to be approved therapeutics and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine in a week. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Boris Johnson was able to rehabilitate a lot of his image by handling COVID not even that well, but just good enough. Right. And Trump could have just accepted the side. I watched um, this great documentary by uh, Alex Gibney called uh, "Under Totally Under Control. I, I did the same thing with The Inventor a couple weeks ago when I brought that documentary up on the podcast where I got the name wrong. But it's, it's Totally Under Control, I believe it's called. Uh, it's on Hulu. And it's the uh, documentary that uh, Alex Gibney got out about uh, Trump's handling of the coronavirus from January to May. Mm -hmm. And it shows all the missteps, all the hangups, how his administration uh, held up equipment uh, and had FEMA try to outbid states for ventilators to drive up the cost of the equipment. And so stuff like that where it would have been so easy to not fuck this up. Or at least just, not fuck it up as bad. To, to not fuck it up as bad, yes. I mean, I, I don't think there is I, I don't think there is any way to not fuck it up, but there's fucking it up and it's it's fucking up there's fucking it up worse. Exactly. Yes. There is no way to not make mistakes with this and to not have thousands of people die probably still hit over a hundred thousands of right. people dead uh but even with that said to have we're gonna have over three hundred thousand people die from this easily when it's all said and done and to have the death toll as high as it, it's been to have the economic damage that we've had this was all completely unavoidable if trump just would have wanted to listen would have wanted to work not been as greedy, right? He just could have fought all of his instincts on this. Well, and and, and you know, I, I I love saying the scare and save, uh, because Donald Trump loves to create problems that don't exist, um, and and present himself as as a solution. You know, from the rapists and murderers coming from from Mexico, to Antifa trying to abolish God in the suburbs. Well, here was one problem that was a problem. Okay. And Donald Trump couldn't present himself as the super fixer. So well, what he did is he tried to uh, convince you that it was no big deal. It was a media hoax, and it was going to disappear after the election. And well, that's what I'm trying to figure out, though, Mike, is that he knew when he was talking to Bob Woodward, and there was so much in this documentary, and some of it I already knew, but and some of it was new stuff that I learned. But there was so much in it that I look at, and him, Jared Kushner, 
that these people should go to prison. They, they should, because basically what they did was they extorted states for hospital equipment, for PPE, and that caused people to die. And running government like a business, Kyle. There was so many things that Trump did know. And he admitted to Bob Woodward about the severity of the virus. He sounded like Fauci talking to Bob Woodward in that candid. Yeah. And that was early February. I believe February 7th or something like that was was the date on that. Right before it hit. So he could have did the scare and save. He could have got out in front of it. The only thing I can think of why he chose not to do the scare and save was because he thought he could profit off the virus. That's the only thing I can think was that between the remdesivir and between the ventilators. The hydroxychloroquine. The hydroxychloroquine that he thought he could milk the stocks on all of this stuff, uh, run up the bids on the ventilators and, and other PPE. That's the only thing I can think of is that even though he had the opportunity to save the country from this pandemic, or will not save the country, but manage it, right. make himself look like the president to mitigate it. He, he later, and then later in his campaign, when he realized he was on the brink of losing, he tried to scare and save. Right. And said, oh, well, I stopped uh, 20 million more deaths. And, and, you know, the move that I made to shut down the travel with China, the unprecedented move, it was great. He tried to convince people, but he couldn't because he had his entire base not believing that coronavirus was real. Right. And then they couldn't make up their minds between it being a manufactured uh, bioweapon from China or an all-out hoax. He fucked himself so bad. And the only thing I can think of why he did it and just completely spitballing here was that he did it because he thought he and his administration thought they could profit, including that uh, Azar, uh, I believe Alex Azar was his name, mm-hmm. um, who used to be a pharmaceutical uh, CEO. Yeah, which is well, he's, he's a yeah. what uh, What's his exact title? I'm going to look it up here real quick. Oh, God. Was he chief of staff? Um, Alex Azar. Alex Azar was United States um, Secretary of Health and Human Services. So, yeah. Secretary of Health and uh, Human Services, right. yeah. It's like it's like putting a, a former um, fossil fuel lobbyist as the head of the EPA. Well, right. So- still, Azar is still... Uh, Azar is still there, by the way. I, I swore that there's so much turnover in Trump's administration, I thought that he had stepped down. It's, it's hard to keep track. But he's he's still there somehow. Out of all people, he's still – but he's been loyal to Trump. Right. But it, I would not be surprised, especially when you have somebody like that who was uh, – he was found liable for jacking up the price of insulin – so he already capitalized on one health crisis before. And one of what Donald Trump's big uh, achievements was lowering the cost of insulin. So he probably, he probably just brought it back down to where it was before Azar jacked it up. Well, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm getting, 
lightheaded just thinking about it because it's just so infuriating. Well, I mean, it, and you it still, really is. you still have the COVID fatigue, and 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 luckily for you, um, we're out of time here. Sorry, we we didn't get well, to a Christmas topic. I want to do a Christmas topic instead. We talked about all this awful serious stuff. Well, that's what happens when uh, you, you know we said we wanted to go <laughs> to go monthly. And it, it, the show has gone monthly the way I thought. We just were too busy to do a show for three weeks in a row. So now we're doing it once a month. But uh, uh, I wanted to do a Christmas topic. Well, I would say we can do another one, but I can't guarantee you that. I, I would <laughs> say, Kyle, that, look, it, obviously when the clock strikes midnight to 2021, obviously things won't magically get better. But... There is a lot of light at the end of the tunnel for next year. We got the vaccine rolling out. Um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we recorded this Sunday morning. Um, podcast is it's probably rolling out, at least here in Michigan, as we speak. Um, you know, Joe Biden isn't really the light at the end of the tunnel. Just not having Trump as president is light at the end of the tunnel. And, and the fact that... Um, the United States electoral system has been tested and, and it's held up. That's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, Kyle, we talked about earlier this week how, um, you know, we we do miss concerts, but, but we miss going to the movies even more. Um, I, I think that there is a very good um, possibility of a return to normalcy sometime in the later half of 2021. It's either going to feel like the best year ever or going back to normal is going to be very overwhelming. I think that the 2021 holiday season, uh, we will be able to gather with large groups on Thanksgiving. We will be able to do um, be out and about um, during Halloween and Christmas. So 2020 has been a, a shit show. Um, there are some people, myself included, who have found silver linings, you know, and, and Kyle, I have you to partially thank for it because I, I got back to sort of, um, um, you know, doing podcasts and creating things. And, and, and that's been great for me. Um, you know, when you wanted to bring this thing back, I was a little hesitant because I'm just like I was so just burnt out on politics. But I, I, I really have um, found the enjoyment in it. And, and obviously, um, that's in big part to you because you know I've 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 always loved doing this with you and I, I find um, your mind um, and our conversations to be very stimulating and fascinating and and I feel like that's why we've been such good friends for for such a long time so I want to thank you I want to thank Rich and Dave and and everyone uh, where I work for allowing us to do our fun little radio plays. Um, I'm not going to say that's the silver lining in 2021 or in 2020 because that's insensitive to people who look, if you, if you've lost a loved one to COVID, there's no silver lining. Um, but I, I, I believe 2021 is, it's gotta be a better year than this. And I think that by 2022 life will start feeling normal again. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I concur with all that. It's, it's certainly been a, uh, strangest year of my life. I think it's been the strangest year of uh, most people for, for most people. It's been the strangest year of their lives. I'm certainly no stranger to that, but 2020 has, uh, hit me hard as, a as, uh, almost anyone. And I say almost because thankfully I haven't lost anyone. Uh, but, uh, I've been affected by it, uh, as, as much as anyone else and in, in, in pretty much every other way. 
and I'm excited for it to be over. I'm excited to move on and, uh, you know, hopefully making a lot of changes in 2021 and getting back to normal uh, is something that uh, I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, even if it takes a few months into 2021, I'll be patient. And also people are going to want to have to take the vaccine. I'm, I'm seeing way too many fucking people saying they don't want to take the vaccine. Right. That could be a whole other show in itself. That could be another 45 minutes. So Yeah, exactly. Let's exactly. leave it Let's leave it here and I'm going to guess that we probably won't do another one of these till January. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Kwanzaa. Um uh this is ignorant of me. I I don't know is it Ramadan, the Muslim holiday in December that that's very ignorant of me. I don't think it's Ramadan, uh, I, but I I could be wrong. Whatever too. you celebrate, enjoy it. Happy New Year. Stay safe, and we want to see you all in 2021. Happy holidays and happy new year, Paul, and everybody (laughs) else who happens to listen to this, but I'm sure just Paul. Thanks, Paul. Merry Christmas. Bye.